you are watching the Hoop Central podcast right here on Spirit Live. I'm sorry. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast for the first time, this is not an ASMR podcast. But sometimes me and Malik just like to have fun with it. But you're tuned into the Hoop Central podcast right here on Spirit Live. Funny guy. None other than your host, Nakeem. Alongside me is the man, the myth, the legend. If you go to Scotiabank Arena right now and you look into the rafters, right beside the 2019 championship banner is gonna be is gonna say here lies the man that has paved the way for all of us. Nakeem is imprinted in City uh, Hall and his statue lies there and all his belongings that uh, led to his uprising and his evolution as he is now. And I'm so proud with my guy right here. He is a true hero and his legacy lives on as he is alive, present day. Well, my legacy, according to some people that we might know who might be listening to this podcast, is that I am a quote-unquote Guyanese magnet so I don't know if that's the legacy you're talking about and if that is I don't know if that's something I want to you know I want uh following me but anyways enough of the jibber jabber we have a lot of basketball to talk about and that's exactly what this podcast is about so there have been so much things that have happened in the NBA world that have been waiting uh, along our minds for us to to touch upon and um, I think the best thing to get started with we are recording this podcast on October 31st, Halloween. Trick or treat, Malik. Trick or treat, bro. And these guys that we're going to be mentioning gave us a little bit of a treat last night. Mm. And uh, we're going to be talking about our favorite performances of the night. Maybe not so much the best performance, but at least the one that resonated with us the most. So, Malik, I think it's only right that you go first. Who gave you the, the biggest treat that soothed your sweet tooth last night? Yeah, I'm going to double down on actually one team two players from one team okay okay Cleveland Cavaliers are five and one they just beat the New York Knicks 121 wait 108 they're, they're five and one they're five and one that means they have one loss which was Toronto okay that's it that's all I wanted you to that's say continue, say, yeah. continue. Then, yeah yeah you like that 121 108 was the final score I'm actually gonna double down on two players that I really liked in the beginning of the season, I said that Dean Wade was going to get some starting opportunities. You did. And they were going to pass him the rock for that fourth spot in the power forward. Well, they did that yesterday, and he played 33 minutes, and he shot 8 for 11, 6 for 8 from 3, and he dropped 22 points in his tiniest time. So is that permanent? I hope so, because I feel like he fills that void, and it gives you depth in the rotation with Kevin Love, Lamar Stevens, Karis LeVert, come be your playmaker in that the first or second rotation. You still have Isaac Okoro, so you could really play around with your lineup, and that's a yeah. deep team. That's a really scary team. He can definitely be a guy who can give you maybe around the 12 to 15 point range. Oh, I believe so, and he, and he does the little things as well. Like yes. he hit a clutch shot. I think his his clutch percentage is up there as well in the rotation. And you know him against the Raptors. It's another underrated Raptor killer mm-hmm. of many of that big list. Definitely. <laughs> but regardless definitely. of that, he played the third most minutes. Yes, Garland's out with his eye at the moment, but. Dominic Mitchell led them uh, with 37 minutes. Then he had Mobley with 34. And Dio was right behind him with 33. Mm-hmm. So he was there the whole game. And he was doing this thing. I think Jared Allen got into a little bit of foul trouble. I think uh, 
after that Dean Wade came up with Robin Lopez and they kind of led that second unit. I watched a little bit of the game. I'd be forgetting Robin Lopez, Robin on, Lopez on, that, on that team. I know. So that, that's a fun addition. That's a fun addition. He brings a lot of character and personality yeah. to that team. But regardless of that, Dean Wade is definitely my honorable mention. And I guess, you know what? I'll kill two birds with one stone because Donovan Mitchell has been on a tear lately. And that is my performance of the night. 38, 3, and 12 with two blocks and a steal. He shot 60% and 8 of 13 threes. That is crazy. What? He, you know what? When Jerry Garland comes back, I don't know if his numbers are going to drop. I think he's too good for these numbers to drop, honestly. Maybe maybe he'll dip mm-hmm. maybe two or three points, but I think they can coexist together, and Jerry Garland's assists are going to increase because Donovan Mitchell has just been on a tear. Yeah. Can you say this is the prime? Prime time for Donovan Mitchell right now? MVP form? A lot of players have been in MVP form. This has been a crazy season, but Don Mitchell has silently been carrying this Cavs team to a 5-1 and one record second place. So, If you're J.B. Bickerstaff and the coaching staff in uh, Cleveland, you have to be thrilled because he kind of has made his role change himself. Like, yeah. He's no longer the Kevin Love of Minnesota. We know that for sure. And even the Kevin Love from the 2016 run, he's no longer that player. He's kind of adapted that catch-and-shoot. Uh, spacing the floor, playing solid defense. He might get some post touches here and there, and he's good at being able to dish the ball and make the extra pass, which um, has been really good to see. But 29 points, that helps out a lot, especially lifts off the uh, burden off of guys like Donovan Mitchell, off of guys like Karis LeVert. And now when you bring Darius Garland back into the mix, it's going to look so fluid with this offense. The different... Seamless. The different... um, people that they have to Effortless. make damage on an uh, on an opposing defense yeah. the only thing that i'm uh kind of intrigued to see and i want to see is uh with all this productivity from other people like dean wade from kevin love karis lever dropped a random 41 41 by karis lever will this take away from the expected growth and jump that people had placed upon evan mobley coming into the season because yeah. we have yet to see evan mobley kind of uh, fulfill those shoes that we thought he was. Yes, defensively was more so the expectation, but then again, we haven't seen that from Scotty Barnes either. Yep. Kate Cunningham has been inconsistent with that. We've seen glimpses. He had, a, I believe, a 35-point performance against Atlanta with mm-hmm. 27 points in the first yeah. half, which was really good, but other than that, he's been shooting around 38% from the field. So Iffy. the sophomores have kind of had a little bit of a slump to start the year, so it's too early to judge and see who's going to be the best right now. But I do got to give my honorable mention to Kevin Love, Absolutely. which he definitely deserves his uh, his flowers. The other, the other person, or should I say persons, because Persin. I'm giving this a collective tie. So the Detroit Pistons faced the Golden State Warriors last night, uh-huh. and they ended up winning. Yeah, one twenty eight to one fourteen. Take this in. The, the Golden State Warriors basically have the same lineup or same team that they had last year. Yes, Gary Payton is no longer there. Uh, Nemanja Bialica is no longer there. Damian Lee, Juan Toscano-Anderson, but those guys weren't valuable uh, members other than Gary Payton and, at times, Bialica. So the, this team was the number one defense or number two defense. They're the top two defense in all of the NBA last year, and they gave 128 points up to the Detroit Pistons. But I'm not saying that as it's a bad thing. I think the Detroit Pistons played an amazing game. And they really showed that they have signs of potential. And not there's not one player that I look at that really pops out to me. It's a collective. And it's four guys in particular that I want to give the spotlight to. Shout out these four guys. 
they had four players finish in double, uh, not double figures, five in double figures before that finish with over 20 plus points. And those are the four that I want to highlight. That's that whole starting lineup. We have Cade Cunningham, who flirted with a triple-double, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Stewart came to play, using his uh, using his body to dominate in the paint. 24 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, or I mean Boyan Bogdanovich, had 21 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. And then Sadiq Bey, who was someone, I remember in his rookie year, he was almost in that discussion to take that Rookie of the Year award because he was playing really good. Yeah, he had the one week where like back to back thirty point games. And I believe he had a fifty point game last year, didn't he? He did. Right. I think close was it French fifty or was fifty? I think it was. I'll I'll double check, but uh, he had twenty eight points, six rebounds, and three assists. Wow. This Detroit young core is really surprising me. Yes, they aren't at the level of being a contender or even a playoff contender yet, but I do think that this is just a great sign from this team. And there's going to be many more moments like this. And just to see, yes, I, uh, the yes against the Magic, 51 points. And it was a random, a random 51 as well. But 10 three-pointers made in that game. That is insane. Uh, the Detroit Pistons and the way they play those guys, I think they definitely are deserving of performance of the night. No, they're no, none of them in the MVP discussion like Donovan Mitchell is. But uh, I really got to give the flowers where, where, when they're due. They took a up against big bodies like James Wiseman and Kevin yeah. Looney, the tough task. And Draymond's there too, switching. So the ability to drop 24 and 13, and the, you know, Casey giving Isaiah Stewart the green light to shoot five threes. Yeah, that and, is and what he, that is really surprising. And, and he, he hit two out of that five, and he's improved mightily. Um, ten for eleven in free throws too. Mm-hmm. He shot six percent. I'm very proud of him. And he's sh- um he's he's on the shorter stick of the centers. He's listed as six eight six nine. So every night he's gonna have a hard time, yeah. but. He bodies. He's very strong. He's durable. And Detroit got a good one. They got a dog in him. Um, Sadiq Bey, Bogdanovich, and Kade did their thing. They have a slow start right now. They're 2 of 5, which is expected. But I'm looking for them to turn things up. Yeah, been, you did have weeks. them in the in the play-in. So I, I you had, need them to turn had, things had, up I soon. I'm waiting for them to turn up. And uh, regarding comments on Kevin Love, I think having an ability to have a veteran buy into the system Mm-hmm. Is a W. Yeah. Um. He really changed his role from being like a almost a star in Minnesota to being a secondary player in Cleveland and almost coming off the bench. And I guess I guess they don't really depend on him anymore. He's more he's taking that veteran leadership role and he's being an advocate as well. I know he dealt with some mental health issues, so it's almost mm-hmm. a full circle moment for Kevin Love as well. I think it's only fitting that we do have a discussion about early MVP standings and I guess maybe where our heads at who do we feel are going to be the last few at the end of the race that will be able to take that award because uh, someone like the back-to-back MVP isn't really into discussions this year so far uh, in Nikola Jokic but there have been um, the NBA.com has released their top five as they do top five MVP uh, candidates for the season so far which they have done every season and they update each week and Malik, I'll just read them out to you. The honorable mentions in the MVP uh, uh, conversation: Desmond Bain, I think, is at like ten. He had a pretty good, uh, pretty good outing against yeah. the the Brooklyn Nets. He's been turning off. His field goal percentage has been has been a bit iffy, but I think he's turning it around. Yeah. at the moment. Keep in mind, these are based off of like the f- like three or four games of play. Three or four. So games. it's not like, you know, there's a lot to really take yeah. in. Who's going to be MVP? Someone could have a yeah. fifty point game and it's a, a, a scrub, and yeah. that might be, but. Scrubs don't have 50-point games. Anyways, you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, Paul George, mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, 
and Dame Lillard. Those are all honorable mentions. Right, right. I'm so. kind of surprised that Dame isn't in the top five. Yeah. I might have. I might argue that Dame is in top five. Top five. That injury just killed. Yeah, the injury does right kill now, him, but he had back-to-back 41-point games. Wow. So I think. But going into the now we're going into the top five. We have a familiar face that we know personally, Demar Derozan, mm. playing some great basketball, and he started off the year with. Obviously, they have no Lonzo Ball. They're without uh, Zach Levine for the first, I believe, two or three games. And he was doing his thing, averaging, I believe, like 30-plus points to start the season. He recently just cracked the 20,000-point club, which he's now the 50th player in NBA history to do so. Wow. Applaud, applaud, applaud for our guy right here. Debo. Debo. Number four, Pascal Siakam. Remember, Pascal coming into the season said that he aspires by the end of the year to be within that top 10 player group that he felt that he has put in the work that he is as good as a top 10 player in the NBA which is a bold take to have wow because there's a lot of guys who are within that realm you could argue that someone like Kyrie Irving who we know is very talented and skilled you foreshadowed a pick a pick of mine right there no longer in the top 10 that's one of my sleeper picks no sleeper pick but Pascal Siakam, he's really been doing his, uh, doing his thing, and especially in the facilitation category. Ooh. He's really been passing the ball and getting his assist totals up. He even uh, had a career-high 13 assists against the Philadelphia 76ers in their win. We don't talk about their loss that they had and no. the game afterwards. Exactly. Uh, number three, Luka Doncic. Luka Magic. What well, I... Luca's gonna be there. Well, what, what can you say about his, his first five games? Like oh, like, oh my goodness, those numbers. Uh, Doncic delivered four of his 14 dimes in overtime against the Brooklyn Nets, uh, including back-to-back assists on three-pointers on the way to becoming just the 10th player in NBA history to log three or more career triple double, uh, three or more career 40-point triple doubles. He's averaging 37 on this. He he became the 10th player in NBA history to log three or more career 40-point triple doubles, and he is only 23 years old. Oh my goodness, only. He has a lot of years left, and he's definitely going to be up there for the most. Repeat, repeat how old he is again. 23 years old. Mic drop. That is insane. Now we go into number two. None other than the Greek freak himself, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. He's a, a two-time MVP, of course, now in his 10th season, and he has been amazing. Take, into, take this into consideration. The Milwaukee Bucks, I believe, are the only undefeated team left in the NBA. 5-0. And they are doing this all without their second best player, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. And they look better than last year. And Pat Connaughton, too. Yeah. You have your best player and another key rotational player. And Giannis has stepped up to the plate. Drew Holiday has looked really good. Oh, my God. And this team in general just looks better than last year. And I'm like, how do you look better when you're without your second best player? And Chris Middleton's not one of those guys that... When he comes in, it's gonna disrupt the flow of the of the offense and the schemes that they have. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna fit in seamlessly and just blend right in. Because as we know, Chris Middleton is a, one of those random guys. One game he can look like Michael Jordan and go for like 50 points, and then the next game he might have eight. Poor game. And, but Chris Middleton really compliments that that team. Giannis. Wait, wait until they get him back. Wow, how is that team gonna operate? Wow, I'm excited to see them. And it looks like they evaluate things in the offseason, and they look so determined. Definitely. They look do. So they look looking to get ready. back into that finals. They want. They had a disappointing uh, year last year because of injuries, but yeah, yeah. they're going to be right there. And number one is Ja Morant. Wow. Yeah. Ja Morant, he had 49 points, I believe, is a 
Uh, he Moran broke his own record, setting the Memphis franchise mark for most points scored for through the first two games of a season. Yeah. He had 83. Wow. The Grizzlies' flying high guard scored 28 points in the second half of the Houston Rockets game en route to 49 points. And he has been looking even better than he was last year. Extreme, he really has improved his ex- game. Extremely well. Extremely looking explosive. Well. Extremely well. He's taking those opportunities with Jaron Jackson out with an injury. Yeah. And he's leading that first unit alongside Brooks, Desmond Bain, Stephen Adams, Santi Aldima. I like this team. And it just shows that they have the confidence when players are out and injured because they dealt with quite a bit of injuries. So yeah, they're so deep and they're going to be forced to be reckoned with. I think I had them in sixth. I had them at seven. <laughs> had them at seven. Let's see. I, I still stand way, by I'm that. A, I but might be way off, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we might be. But uh, those are the top five that NBA.com has. Now, Malik, who doesn't necessarily have to be out of those five? But who would you say is leading the MVP discussion? Because they don't have Donovan Mitchell listed in there. Who would you say for you personally is leading the MVP leaderboards for you as of right now on October 31st, 2022? I'm going to say Luca. Luca? I'm going to say Fair. Lu- I'm going to say Lu- Lu- Luca's numbers are too good for him not to be number one. Averaging 37. It's like almost Michael Jordan numbers. He's flirting with a triple double with 9.5 rebounds and mm-hmm. 8.7 assists. His field goal percentage as a guard is 50%. And that he's is taking insane. Almost 26 shots per game and he's shooting 50%. That efficiency is some stuff that we don't see often. Insane. And the schedule, you know, they face Memphis, Phoenix, Pelicans, and Brooklyn in their first four that's games. A, that, that's good opponents. Good opponents. Although, although um, the team, I guess, overall doesn't reflect on how Luca's doing. He's in his own lane at the moment. Yeah. Because they've had some wins. They've had some losses. But as a collective, I think they'll get it going eventually because that team is really good. Christian Wood will eventually enter the starting five. You still have Tim Hardaway as your true shooter off the bench. And you really have some nice pieces with Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie setting up Luca all the time. So I'm really yeah. proud to say that Luca. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out of leash and say he could be MVP this season. Yeah, and I think this is one of those things because I believe Luca could have been in that discussion last year too. Or I, coming into the season, I should say Luca was my favorite to be MVP. He didn't, he didn't win it. Uh, Jokic did, obviously. Uh, just to let you guys know, I do agree with Malik, but for argument's sake, I'm not going to, I'm not going to completely say the same player as him. Someone that I want to touch into this MVP discussion is Damian Lillard. Because oh, I like that. Because I genuinely believe if Damian Lillard, with the way the Blazers have been playing, yes, he's out right now, which does hurt his case. But then again, it's better to have a strong finish than have a strong start. Because recency bias is definitely a thing. And the narrative going into the voting period, rather than, you know, let's say he misses two weeks before the end of the season. Next thing you know, people are talking about Luka way more instead of Dame. Um... Uh, in the instance of, let's say, Dame is killing the game going into the last two weeks of the season, right? I believe that the, if the Trailblazers became a top four seed in the in the West, which with the way they're playing is, I'm not going to say is very plausible, but definitely can be an outcome because the NBA is full of uncertainties. If he maintains the averages that he has right now, and I'll read them out to you, he's averaging 31 points on... A, Basically about 50% shooting from the field. Wow. 40% shooting from three. Wow. That's good. And he's giving you about four and a half assists, five rebounds. And he is... All around. Yeah. He's pretty much doing it all around. 92, 93% from the free throw line. Nice. And he is really just dominating the game. 
Simple as that. This could, if he keeps this up, this could be his best season. So, yeah, exactly. Best season. And I That's believe this mainly just rides on the fact of the team's success. I believe that Dame can maintain this level of play because we've seen it before. And also, this seems like he's even better because he just came and he has a chip on his shoulder as he always does. But if Dame plays this way and the team is successful, the one thing about the MVP award that we know is that narrative plays a real big part of this. Big part. There are guys who might have the better year, but it's that story that goes along that with it that just goal, makes the, it... The team's success. Exactly. You look at the Russell Westbrook story. Maybe he wasn't the best player that year. There might have been someone on a more successful team that could have got it. The West, the, the Thunder were only the sixth seed that year, but the first player to average a triple-double, his teammate went to the, the best team in the NBA and left him. How much How much was it, 50? Pardon? How much triple doubles did Westbrook have? 50 that year? I believe so, around I think 50, 50 plus. 51, yeah, 51, yeah. And he the, the most in a season, average, I think he ended up topping that record later on. But um, everything leading up to it just had that, that fairy tale type of story with it. Yep. And you look at other other stories, Giannis, the coming up from nothing, you know, in Greek and becoming the best player in the NBA, essentially, and just the way that his story evolved. It's something that people can get behind. And a lot of times people get carried away with a with that type of story and narrative. Yeah. And the same thing happens each year. And I feel like with Damian Lillard, it can happen with the Portland Trailblazers. Everyone counted them out. Dame, people are saying that he needs to leave, but he stayed true to his grind stayed and wanted to grind. be there for Portland. I respect that Stayed 100%. 10 toes down and look what happens. The team is successful and now he's the MVP. It just sounds really good. It's very uplifting. And, and you got Jeremy Grant. You got a lot of ads. Jeremy Grant. It's, every yep. time he's just filling into that CJ McCollum yes. role. Yeah. And Shaden Sharp. Playing amazing with Damian Lillard out right now. Super athletic uh, player right there. But I think Damian Lillard is someone that you could definitely look at as uh, a potential MVP, MVP candidate candidate. Uh, Come the end of the season. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I have him on my fantasy team. He's my captain <sighs> for three years. Yep. So. so, last night, the Los Angeles Lakers were no longer, statistically, the, the worst team in the NBA. They won their first game of the season Woo! against the Denver Nuggets. Woo! Wow. Yay. And guess how many posts I saw of them last night? <laughs> so many. <laughs> I've never seen a team get their first win after going 0-5 and get so much recognition from the media. If that was the Sacramento Kings, there would have been no post. Yeah, I get it. It's the Lakers. They got to get post. They're the best team in the NBA. They got Le the LeBron and AD. And that's basically the only reason. We've seen the Lakers be bad when they had the D'Angelo Russell, the Jordan Clarksons, the Ryan Kellys. Oh, like yeah. that, that lineups. And they got no media attention whatsoever. No but attention. when LeBron is there, obviously you're going to get... Um, Wherever LeBron goes, everyone goes. Exactly. Oh, so now... LeBron, LeBron is the king. So now they're 1-5. The Rockets are the worst team in that conference now, being 1-6. But when we look at the Eastern Conference... Oh, boy. They're, kind of, they're tied with another team. Oh, boy. Magic are the worst in the East. Yep. Understandable. Understandable. That's fine. But the Lakers... And the Brooklyn Nets are the second oh, worst teams in their conferences. My goodness. Who would have guessed coming into this year that the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons would be at the bottom of the East? No matter how strong of a distaste you have towards Benjamin Simmons, that doesn't warrant you to say that or believe that the Nets are not a team that is good enough to at least be in the play-in. Would you like me to share Ben Simmons' stats with you? 
please do enlighten me, Malik, because I feel like I need some... I need a refreshing of this information. Please, please and thank you. Well, what's known as a fringe all-star is not averaging 6.2 points per game and averaging 32 minutes. Yes, he's getting 7 rebounds. Yes, he's getting 7 assists. But coming from that, he's being very hesitant. He's being very selfless. I don't know if he's bought into this team. Doesn't know how to go coaxes with Kyrie. I saw that clip where Kyrie passed to Ben Simmons and he's like, shoot it. Yeah. And he passed it out. Yes, they got the shot. But Ben Simmons had a really good look. You mind uh, answering one question for me? Yes. How many shots is he attempting a game? Malik is always one of those guys that... Six. Knows. I'll say six. Six shots. Six shots a game. Here. Uh, I got it right here. Ben Simmons is averaging about 5.7 field goals a game. Oh, wow. That is how much he's taking. Oh, my goodness. Now, we do know he didn't have... He's never really been a scorer, right? But we look at his last year in Philadelphia, where they were the number one seed. They He averaged 14.3 points, 7.2 rebounds, 6.9 assists, and he, he was taking 10 shots a game. Wow. There is no reason, no reason... For you, Ben Simmons, and I'm not saying this as someone who is condemning you or trying to get on you like the media has done. Is This is just from a critical lens. There is no reason with your physical skills and your abilities and your presence on the court for you to be taking five shots per game. As a starting point guard, too. Playing 30-plus minutes. With and this is, and this is not like... You're not getting the opportunities. I've seen one play against the Indiana Pacers, which they, that team is a rebuilding team that went into Brooklyn and took a game in convincing fashion. Royce O'Neal is, is shooting more shots. Which is than, not a good look. Uh, that is horrible. This is an all-star caliber player. I don't care what you say. If Ben Simmons, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, yeah. and you're getting the Philadelphia version of Ben Simmons, that's an all-star. Beautiful instincts is to go and drive yeah whether or not yes you do have a a defender on you we know nba players are great at creating contact off of finishes yep this man picked up the ball and instantly turned around and looked for kevin durant i don't know what it is if it's a psychological thing where he is just yeah. not confident within himself yeah. to produce on offense but this is what uh i have to say and malik i'll leave the floor to you because there are some things in Brooklyn. I do not like the Steve Nash pairing as a head coach. I was just about to say that too. Exact same thing. I do not like it. Steve Nash, an amazing player. Amazing basketball mind. I don't know what it is if he hasn't been able to get the the respect of the players. Or maybe not the respect, but the buy-in. The complete buy-in. Or be able to communicate properly with his guys. But... There is a clear disconnect between what a great coach would do with this lineup and what Steve Nash is currently doing. There is not enough in-game adjustments. No. There is not a good way that they are utilizing the pieces that they have. And this is not to, to really bash on Steve Nash, but you look at a guy like Chauncey Billups, right? Chauncey Billups and Steve Nash both came in last year as rookie head coaches together or steve nash had a year prior together with rookie head coach right yeah true no experience but i believe chauncey bills was involved in the game more behind the scenes i believe he was 
in a uh, behind the scenes role with the management with the team or before I think so, I believe right? so. And they went to the head Steve coach Nash went strictly from no assistant coach, right? No assistant coach. And then you look at the, you can look at it compared it to Nick Nurse. I didn't want to use Nick Nurse because people are gonna say I'm a Raptors fan, but <laughs> Nick Nurse, he was a rookie head coach, right? Rookie head coach coming into the situation in Toronto. But he spent years, not just an assistant at an NBA level, but in in the G League level as a head coach. Then he was overseas as a head coach. He had many years being on that bench and understanding what works and what doesn't work. Steve Nash hasn't had that. The last time he played basketball was in a landscape that the NBA was different. And it seems that he doesn't know what to do with the guys that he has. Having such polarizing talents like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and that generate so much attraction and gravity towards their play now malik i want to lay this out to you and i want to get your insight the brooklyn nets are holding a players only meeting or else they they held a players only meeting recently to discuss their their situation as they are one in five on the season considering the lens you have the information and what you've seen in this sample size that we have what do you think needs to be done for the Brooklyn Nets to turn this thing around to live up to their potential of being a contender in the NBA. Although this team, I guess the first time it's kind of fresh, so I know they're going to give it a chance and, and they're going to be open to any rotations and the playbook being changed or switched or you never know what's going to happen, but I think everyone's healthy. Kyrie's putting up MVP stat line yes, right now. Yes, Kevin Durant's yes. doing his thing. You have the tools and the team to be a top three seed with this Brooklyn team. On paper, they look great, but as a team, it's just not it. So I know this players' only meeting is just for maybe evaluation, to get a breath, to evaluate things and what's going on. I don't see them doing anything at the moment uh, until trade deadline, I would say, for sure, until until that time, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe January, February. Yeah. Um, if I had to make one switch, it would definitely be for Steve Nash to be fired. I would have to say so. It's hard for me to say it. It's just not working out. You see him get frustrated in a couple of games. He got he got ejected last game. I think he just needs to switch. Yes, there's positive and negative implications when it comes to um, NBA players becoming coaches and in the managerial aspects of the NBA. But it could work to it could work positively and it could work against you, especially with players like Kyrie and Durant on your team. The stakes are high. And there's a lot of expectations. So Steve Nash is under a lot of pressure. And sometimes can you blame him for being vulnerable on the court? No. Hopefully they are able to turn this around because this team has so much talent and so much potential to to be as bad as they are. And maybe that might be the outcome that we end up seeing, that Steve Nash might be fired. We'll see what ends up happening in the, in the near future. But that wraps up this episode of the hoop central podcast i'm glad and i hope you guys enjoyed this we appreciate you guys listening to the hoop central podcast right here on spirit live and we will see you guys next week peace peace you are watching the hoop central podcast right here on spirit live <laughs>